0: Well, thank you, sir, for our reading, and good morning, everyone. My name is Tim. I work on the staff team here at HTC. we just had a reading from a letter from a man called Paul as he wrote to people in a place called Philippi. And Paul was writing to Christians, and Paul wrote this to them. He said, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. He's saying, whatever the circumstances of your life, whatever you face, whatever those around you face... Live your life in such a way that it reflects the good news about Jesus Christ. And it's a bit like saying, practice what you preach. Don't just talk the talk, but walk the walk. And it's all about who you represent here. When people are in a certain position or they represent something, maybe they're an ambassador on behalf of someone else, you expect them to act in a certain way. Imagine if you were to meet Queen Elizabeth, you'd expect her to act as a queen. If she were to greet you, if she were to shake your hand, you might expect the calm, demure, gloved, naturally, handshake that befits royalty. You would not expect her to band up to you, give you a hug and say, hey, what up? I'm Queenie. But you can call me Lizzie. No, you'd expect her to act accordingly, to conduct herself in the manner worthy of being a queen. Well, in the same way, Paul wrote to Christians to say, conduct yourselves in a way that is worthy of King Jesus. Who you represent. He's saying you represent him, so live out a life of service and love that reflects him. And what does that kind of conduct, what does that kind of life look like? Well, verse 2, Paul says this He says, Make my joy complete by being like minded, having the same love, being one in spirit, and of one mind. Now, at this moment, in a time of isolation and fear and the unknown, You've probably seen signs of people loving each other and serving each other in this way, putting others before themselves. In the face of our lockdown and the coronavirus, there have actually been amazing examples of people showing this kind of love. Maybe like me, you've been really impacted and moved by the story of Captain Tom Morris, who at the age of 100 has raised nearly 30 million pounds for the NHS by walking a 100 lengths of his garden. Nearly 1.5 million people to come have come together to support him. And it's been very, very powerful. And what an amazing example of love and service. But love hasn't just been shown on the big scale. Love has been shown on a smaller scale. On Easter Sunday, my neighbours brought me lunch. Now, they've been supporting people who are far more vulnerable than I. But since I live alone, they decided to bring me homemade curry that they as a family were having. Now you might be thinking, hey, hang on, curry's a fairly rogue choice for Easter Sunday, but trust me, It was delicious, and I felt really cared for. I felt really valued, especially at a time like this. When people come together, wherein there is a sense of unity and love and common purpose, wherein there is a sense of being one, it's very powerful. Look at how Paul continues, verse three. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests but each of you to the interests of the others. It's all about humility, isn't it? Putting other people's interests before your own, other people's needs before your own. We certainly need to hear that kind of message at a time like this. Whether it's not chasing after that final toilet roll or ignoring the government's instructions not to gather in big groups. And living in this way, living as we look out for others, is is a way that we live out what Jacob was talking about on Palm Sunday. He reminded us that though we might not be the king or queen of England, in our sense, in our own lives, we like to be in charge. We like to rule. We come first. And it's a bit like we all wear a crown in our own lives because we come number one. This, of course, is why humbly valuing other people before ourselves is such a challenge. And Jacob reminded us, he says, it's a bit like we're in charge and we wear a crown. But as followers of Jesus, we need to take off our earthly crowns and not put ourselves first. And part of the way we live this out, the part of the way that is practically done in our lives, the way we take off our earthly crowns and honour King Jesus, is by humbly valuing other people above ourselves, putting their needs before ours. And by this, I don't just mean one-off grand gestures of sacrificial love to the people that we think deserve it the most. By this, I'm not talking about giving up everything and going to serve the poor in some far-flung land. Although God might be calling some of us to that. By this, God means for us the daily sacrifice of learning to say of everybody we need. How can I serve and bless you before I serve and bless myself? How can I look out for your interests before my interests in every situation? It's about saying, how can I value you before I value me? It's not practicing false humility, that is, thinking less of yourself. It just means thinking of ourselves less as we learn to genuinely prioritise other people. Ultimately, this is learning to follow the example of Jesus, the humble one. How does the passage continue? Verse five. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who made himself nothing and humbled himself, even to death on a cross. Jesus set aside his glory to save us from our sin. He is our example. Following him is what it means to do nothing out of selfish ambition. He didn't exalt himself, but he humbled himself to serve and save a sinful world. Now, if you're anything like me, the call to live in that kind of way is a huge challenge. And this, if I were to step into this, maybe it's the same for you. That would represent a huge area of personal growth. And of course, the theme of growth is exactly what we're considering together as a church at this time. The title of this sermon series is Restricted, but Advancing. And as we go through the book of Philippians, we're asking how can we together at this time, even with everything that is facing us, how can we grow together in God and how might the gospel go forward? But you see, Christian growth, growth in the kingdom of God does not necessarily look like what we might expect. When we think of growth, what do we think about we think of growing up. We think of growing out. We think of expansion. We think of going up. But growth with God actually means growing down. Growth with God is about learning to say in my life, I don't come first. It's about learning to humble ourselves. It's about learning not to act out of selfish ambition, but our ambition changing so that we honour God and therefore we put other people first. And it's the kind of growth that comes from humility where we say less of me and more of you, God. God promises that as we learn to humble ourselves and follow his example in this way, he will grow us and he will display his love through us and to us. And that even though at a time like this where we're restricted, we shall advance with him and his gospel will go out. Today, make it your priority to seek God for this kind of growth in your life. Ask God to work in you this way ask God for by his grace and through the power of holy spirit to lead you in always valuing other people before yourself recognize and follow the example of Christ because it is as we follow him in valuing other people that we shall advance and God's kingdom will grow now if you're listening today and wouldn't call yourself a christian or don't normally come to church or maybe you're not sure i hope we can all agree That if we all learned this kind of humility and we all learned to put each other first, the world would be a better place. Because, of course, you don't have to be a Christian. You don't have to be religious to be a good person. Now, even if you think that's a bit naive, it's hard to deny that a unity of purpose and respect and love towards one another is so important. But here is where I don't want you to mishear me. Being a Christian is not all about just being nice. But you might think so. The comedian Dylan Moran certainly does. He sums up Christianity like this. He says, it's all about believing in this idea that you be nice and you do good. And then, you know, when you die, you get a biscuit. Now, someone like Dylan Moran, he admits that he's writing from close to an atheistic worldview. But he also admits that he has some ambiguity. He said this before. He said anybody who has totally given up on the idea of God and the devil has never been properly kissed or flown on Ryanair with a hangover. I don't know where you're at. But there is an idea that I want to counter. As you hear the kind of things I've said today about Christians growing in humility, it might be easy to think that following Jesus is just all about being nice and moral and good. But Christianity is not about this. Despite the fact we are called to be loving, we do not earn God's love. We do not get saved, go to heaven, however you want to put it. This does not happen through our good deeds. Instead, it comes through what God does for us. On our own, we are separated from God by what the Bible calls sin. Our passage today, it says, do nothing out of selfish ambition. But that is absolutely what we do. That is our natural tendency. And so even though humans are capable of real love, we are selfish, imperfect beings who on our own cannot reach a perfect God. But the way we try and reach God is not by trying to add morality to our life. It's not just about being nice. We can't try and climb up to meet God by our humble good deeds. That's like us trying to build a stepladder to the moon. Instead, we needed God to step down to us in humility. And God did this for us in Jesus. You see, Jesus isn't just our example, but he's our saviour. To use the words of this passage, though he was in very nature God, He made himself nothing, being made in human likeness, humbled himself to save us. God became a baby. God became just like you and just like me. This is, of course, what we celebrate at Christmas. God humbled himself, becoming like us to save us from our sin and end our separation from him. I wonder how you respond to this message and this idea of God becoming a baby in humility. Um, To help us think through how you might respond, I want to tell a brief story about two babies, which might sound weird, but go with me. Just think about how you respond today. In a mother's womb were two babies. One asked the other, do you believe in life after delivery? The other replied, why, of course, there has to be something after delivery. Maybe we are here to prepare ourselves for what will be later. Nonsense, said the first. There is no life after delivery. What kind of life would that be? The second said, I don't know, but there will be more light than here. Maybe we will walk with our legs and eat from our mouths. Maybe we will have other senses that we can't understand now. The first replied, that's absurd, walking is impossible and eating with our mouths, ridiculous. The umbilical cord supplies nutrition and everything we need, but the umbilical cord is so short. Life after delivery is to be logically excluded. The second insisted, well, I think there is something and maybe it's different than it is here. Maybe we won't need this physical cord anymore. The first replied, nonsense. And moreover, if there is life, then why has no one ever come back from there? Delivery is the end of life. And in the after delivery, there is nothing but darkness and silence and oblivion. It takes us nowhere. Well, I don't know, said the second, but certainly we will meet mother and she will take care of us. The first replied, Mother? You actually believe in mother? That's laughable. If mother exists, then where is she now? The second said, She is all around us. We are surrounded by her. We are of her. It is in her that we live. Without her, this world would not and could not exist. Said the first, Well, I don't see her. So it is only logical that she doesn't exist. I wonder which baby you identify with. Maybe like the first, you are hopeful for something after this life. Or maybe like the second, you would logically exclude the possibility of a God that you cannot see. But here is the Christian claim. Here's what it all rests upon. To save us, to end our separation from him, God came as a baby. God humbled himself and he came as Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ would die upon a cross and upon the cross, Jesus would take upon himself all our sin, all that separated us from God so that we might be saved and therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father for us to grow and go forward together we need to humbly learn to put others first that begins first by taking off our own crowns and saying I'm not number one I'm not in charge but Jesus Christ you are you are king I bow the knee to you let's pray together Lord God today we acknowledge that we are not number one I pray that you'd help us live out a life of love and service of others that genuinely learns to humbly value them before us Help us, God. We ask for your grace for that today. But Lord, we acknowledge that you're not just king of us, but you're king of everything. You are the name above every name. Today we bow the knee to you. Amen.